0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: Good. Want to take the time to thank you for liking and subscribing to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, and much, much more seriously. If you are here Thank you. Uh, the, the mission of this was to get the same show that you're used to, only a little more convenient, and with the power of not just rewind, but fast forward. So I've been liking doing this. Um, still do need a job, but DoorDash, is always, it just stares at me at my app, dude. It just stares at me. And then the prices were up today because there was that tornado that went through. And by today, I of course mean uh, yesterday. I am recording very. It's basically Thursday when I'm recording. It's I'm very. I'm, 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 I'm putting in the I'm putting in the work here. at tornado. I was uh, I was at the Miller Park Walmart, and I got the alert on my phone. So did everyone, and everyone looked around at each other, and then just went on their day. Nobody nobody cared. So I started walking around. I was going to do a little shopping and a couple of things I needed. And then as I was walking in a hallway, there was a guy leading like 10 employees saying, we're all going to the back. We're all going to the back. And where the tornado was at the time or where the weather was, it was still, so I was in Miller park. It was still closer to like Waukesha, I was told. So I'm like, look, I am not about to die in this Walmart. So I drove home and I was going east. So I figured I'd beat it. And then I was listening to the radio and they're like 45 miles an hour is what it's traveling at. And I press my beat. Now I'm going 50. I'm at least beating it. And I beat it. And I got home and the weather came through and and it was all fine. So hopefully everybody's safe. I know there's a bunch of damage. Um, That was a quick little pop-up guy. I was more concerned about where I would die than if I would live. I was like, I, I, if I live here, you know, coin flip, I just don't want to die somewhere embarrassing. Nothing wrong with Walmart, great low prices. I just, I I just wasn't fixing to die in a Walmart. I think he, I think he can understand bucks last night. uh, They played Tuesday against the bulls and I don't know. I assume they lost. Nobody played in that game. So I don't if you watched it, good for you. They did lose big. And then they played last night against the Nets. And this game was on ESPN. Ben Simmons did enough um where like Nets fans are going to talk themselves into him being great. He also got shut down by AJ Green. So I don't know about that. Uh, let's see Kyrie at 23 for the bucks. Giannis at 24, six of 21 drew 20. Javon Carter's at a nice preseason. It's hard to know what you take from these preseasons. Like how like invested are they in these games and what are you learning? This seemed to be a lot of get these guys minutes. George played 28. Um, and George Hill had a nice three. I was like, geez, finally, where was that dude? Yeah. A couple of them. But the Bucks now—that uh, is their preseason, and we got we got the regular season now coming up next week. I'm gonna hook up with uh, Ty Windish of Eurostep Pod, also on this Blue Wire Network, and then I will do a live show after the Bucks play the Sixers on Thursday. I'll be live on YouTube, and that will serve as the Friday podcast. We'll rearrange things with Horbot a little bit, who we'll talk to on tomorrow's show, but. Want to get into uh, Sam Schmitz is going to be on the show. Sam Schmitz has been missing in action for two months. But first we got to talk to, we got to talk some Packers, man. Rogers, by the way, missing practice yesterday, his thumb. They say they're not worried about it. I'll go along and not worry about it uh, with them. So Andy Herman will join us. Fellow Blue Wire colleague. So I believe you're the first Blue Wire colleague that I've had on. Um, and you could find Andy on YouTube and on uh, Spotify and, and Apple and all that stuff. The Packaday podcast, if you know me, you probably know Andy. I mean, you, Andy's been he's done this uh, kind of all on your own. and it's come to this thing and, and I was just reading a key day that you did. But you, you've done it every day. You guys have done it every day for for years now. And so yep. just before we get into it, as it's the fourth week of this podcast, Congratulations to you for everything you've done. Uh, so- <laughs> Thank you very
2: much. I appreciate that. This is awesome. I'm uh, going to enjoy talking to you and I'm glad I have another uh, blue wire colleague in the Wisconsin area. So that's always fun. And congratulations on your new gig. Uh, but yeah, it's been crazy. The team I have is absolutely phenomenal, which makes everything so much easier on my end. But yeah, 365 days a year, never missed a day. Um, going back, I think over four years now. So it's been pretty incredible.
1: And what a time to pick to cover this team where you've seen the LeFleur era kind of become what it is. And now we are here at three and two heading into week six. You know, you look at the team, they're three and two. Okay. And if we mapped it out, there's different ways that they could have been three and two. And even if they were two and three or three and two, or had they, had they beat the giants there at the end, maybe, you know, some of this is a little different because they'd be four and one, but, I think the problems would be the same. I don't think the record is necessarily what people are upset about. What people are upset about is how they're playing. And this is an interesting thing right now because I've spent a lot of time on Rodgers and trying to cycle analyze him and his, you know, the way he thinks is affecting the offense, which leads me to think about Lafleur. It's the fourth year, those guys together, it's their senior year. I'm calling it. So there should be more of a, like an understanding and I, I can spend all that time on that. I can spend an hour. I can spend four hours on it, and then someone can say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" But also the defense, because the defense—you've got all these. I mean, you, we'll get to the defense in a second, because that I think it's—it's just—it's a lot. Starting with Rogers and starting with Lafleur, here's where I'm coming from. From Rogers, I think that he is the back-to-back MVP, four-time MVP. He's one of the greatest players ever. I think in Lafleur's offense or even just the way football is in 2022, you don't need to throw a 50 yard touchdown in every play, but for Lafleur, like you also don't let Rodgers do that. So we know what the problems are on, on the team. Have you, when you've seen them play via tape and all that, is there a way like that? It can be better. Is there a way for this offense from what you've seen that it's close or are there massive changes? Do you think that need to, Happen inside those uh, meeting rooms, to then see differently on the field.
2: Yeah. So there's, like you said, we could probably discuss all of this at extreme length. Um, to kind well, of that's why I me. asked you a two and a half minute question. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I, I think there's a lot that we can dig into this. I think offensively, clearly there's an adjustment period to some of these new weapons, and there, I think there's a little bit of accident forgiveness there. Um, but I do think that there is an avenue for success for this offense, and uh, frankly. I thought Matt LaFleur – there's, there's, no, there's no games won in press conferences, right? But I thought Matt LaFleur in his, his press conference after the Giants game on Monday was as good as you can be in that situation and really answering the questions from a process-oriented standpoint. Now, I think we can all agree that if Aaron Jones doesn't touch the ball a certain amount of times and you're not getting your best playmakers the ball, just period, much less with an opportunity to succeed – you haven't really done your job as a play caller and you haven't really done your job from a game planning and scheme standpoint. And I think that is clearly one of the big takeaways from this. And I think the frustrating thing is it's not the first time that it's happened. In fact, it happened against Minnesota. They came back. Yes. We got to get Aaron Jones, the ball more, you get Aaron Jones, the ball more, things look great. And then all of a sudden we forget about Aaron Jones again. And that seems to be a recurring issue really since the day that Aaron Jones has been drafted, which is just mind boggling. Um, So I think that's a key, but I do think, that the process that Rogers and LeFleur are going through is sound process. I think them wanting to push the ball down the field when they've got single high looks, when they have receivers, Romeo Dobbs won on the outside a ton in this game, like a ridiculous amount of times. Like he, there, there should have been three or four explosives uh, explosives to Romeo. The offensive line didn't block it up a couple times. Rogers didn't pull the trigger a couple times. Rogers missed a couple times. There's just some opportunities there that they missed. That's going to unfortunately happen. I do feel like a part of this, and I'm not excusing everything. In fact, I just did a full episode on how the coaching needs to improve. Um, But I do think a part of this is like, you know, Green Bay had the right process. They played the right poker hand, and they got beat, you know, by a lesser hand. And sometimes that just happens. You play the percentages, and sometimes the percentages lose. I think they need to do a better job of making sure – In the right situations, like when the opposing uh, defense has just gone down your throat on four straight drives and the last thing that you can have is a three and out, I think they have to do a better job of understanding that situation and making sure that no matter what, they cannot have a three and out in that situation and they have to take some time off the clock and they have to let their defense rest a little bit. I think that there's some egregiousness to that, but if you look at the process on those plays and what they were trying to develop and what Matt LaFleur talked about the day after – I don't hate the philosophy. I don't hate how they were going about it and trying to take advantage of a situation that was there. So I think the process is actually sound. I think they need to do a better job of making sure that that process includes Aaron Jones a lot more, and I think they need to execute. But I do think we're slightly being a um, reactor to the results rather than the process. And sometimes the process can be good and the results can be bad. I think that was this game to your point from earlier, if that was just this game, I think you're like, okay, that's going to happen from time to time. But it's been too much you know too much for five weeks now even in some of the quote-unquote ugly wins that you're gonna have to change some up uh, some things up and do some things different and one of the things I need to see a little bit more is like how can we get some players open through the scheme of the play that doesn't have to be 20 30 yards down the field where are some of those crossing routes that every team is running against Green Bay with a ex- insane level of yeah. success how can we get Christian Watson you know even if it's a shallow cross how can we just get the ball in his hands with his explosiveness or I think it has to do him
1: like not behind the line of scrimmage one exactly They did it one time and they haven't done it since
2: exactly so I think those are some of the things that have to be better and it can't be like the, the solution can't just be a, a 40 yard pass down the field every time when you see single high coverage there has to be better solutions to that overall but I don't I don't hate the process and I don't think they're quite as far off offensively as it's felt the last couple weeks
1: I think that so just to talk to you here for a little bit yeah. I could spend a lot of time on Aaron Rodgers. In fact, I have spent a lot of time on Aaron Rodgers. So if you're looking for more Bart tries to figure out the brain of Aaron Rodgers, I might go listen to a different podcast. Cause when talking to you, I want to talk about LaFleur for a second. Sure. I want. Here's my problem with LaFleur. I'm trying to figure out if he's a good coach. My problem with LaFleur is he has gone through things now enough times where I don't like seeing it happen again. I thought early on in his tenure, you know, they lost some playoff games. Maybe that was a big moment for him. He's a first-time head coach. Okay, you learn that different atmosphere. But the playoff losses have been similar. This, uh, the week one last year against the Saints, oh, okay, then they win seven in a row. Great, the same thing happened this year. And then he comes out there and he says, I need to be better, I let my guys down. I think after the Patriots game, that was a game that got away from them too, and they're lucky to have won it. It was very similar to me, like the Giants game, where the last thing I wanted to hear from LaFleur was I have to be you know, I have to be better, all this kind of stuff. And while I did a better job on Monday, that was like his initial reaction. It seems like LaFleur should be at the point where once you've done it, you, you you like it just seems like it's repeating itself. And I think that there can be a shelf life to that. Like, yeah, LaFleur's had a great career. No one's saying to put him on the hot seat, but the analysis is Andy Reid. I mean, Andy Reid got these these eagles to the NFC Championship game four straight years, and then at some point it's just not working. We're a long way from that with Lafleur, I think, but I need to start to see some growth instead of the same season over and over and over, and that's what concerns me is I don't feel like I'm seeing that growth.
2: Yeah. It's one of the things I talked about in the episode about LaFleur and how the coaching needs to get better is learning from mistakes is a huge part of coaching, right? And you mentioned the the first week last year against the Saints. Well, clearly that's not going to happen again to, you know, when you face a divisional foe against the Minnesota Vikings, there's no way that's going to happen again. And it happens again. They struggle in his first year um, going West coast and they've got that. I think it, I can't remember if it was the chargers first and then the the 49ers after if it was reversed, but I think it was 49ers first, maybe, and they, uh, they completely crap the bed on the West coast. And then they go to the West coast later in the season. You're like, clearly that's not going to happen again. And it happens again. And then the travel, I think affects them a little bit against the giants in London this week. And we've seen them struggle. Yeah, if they ever if we, go
1: more than two hours on a plane. It's, it's over been an issue. It's this been this team can't issue, right? Figure it out.
2: So they haven't learned from that mistake. Three straight playoff series, as you mentioned, and back to back to back years. They don't perform up to expectations. And really, in a way, they no-showed against San Francisco in that game. Travel may be an issue again. Tampa, they they kind of no-showed the first good chunk of that game until they kind of built their way back into it later in the game. And then you basically offense, certainly offensively in special teams, completely no show in the divisional round against the 49ers. That's been a recurring mistake. We talked about Aaron Jones week one, you don't get Aaron Jones involved. They're like, all right, we're going to fix it. Clearly that's not going to happen again against the giants. He disappears for huge stretches again. So there's these recurring issues. I even like second half adjustment, right? The Todd Bowles makes a phenomenal second half adjustment against the Packers goes press man, single high challenges, everything and Green Bay doesn't have an answer for it, all right, clearly, if that happens again, you're going to have a better plan for if a team does it. The, the Wing Martindale did the exact same thing. They didn't play that way in the first half. Second half, they make the adjustment. Ton of press man, single high. Now, clearly, they're going to be prepared for it because they they weren't against Tampa Bay and Todd Bowles, and they weren't. They didn't get points in the second half against Wink either. So it's it's learning from those mistakes that I think has been a bit of an issue, and quite frankly, it has to be better. You know,
1: with the defensive side of the ball, I look at that. Like, I was talking about this summer how there will be time, and it could still be true, but there will be times when you call your loved one. I think of back to 2010, the Super Bowl year after the, after the game, after they won. And I called my dad, and I, and I cried to him, and I said, thank you. I, I mean, you could have, like, but you, like, put me down Packer path. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I was saying that this defense will be so good that there will be multiple games. You call whoever was a Packer influencer in your life. And you will thank them because you will have some sort of defense that you never saw. And I just have to look at the, you know, the depth chart, the, the, the two deep, whatever, all these guys, Quay Walker, uh, I almost said Sam Shields, uh, Rasul Douglas, Jair, you know, you know, the guys, Kenny Clark, Rashawn has been ter- terrific. This defense on paper is so good. It seems like they found the one coordinator who is going to screw that up. So I don't know what needs to change there besides Andy, uh, everything.
2: Yeah. I think that's a fair way to put it. I think one of the things that's most disappointing is when Joe Barry came last year to the team for, for one of the first times, and I know the results weren't always there. But there were stretches, especially towards the beginning of the season. I think the game against the 49ers and the divisional round as well is a great example, there were times that for the first time, completely different than the Mike Patton system where it looked like 11 guys were playing cohesive football on the same page, actually moving as a team. And I was, legitimately excited about, okay, I know things aren't always going to be perfect. There's a new defensive coordinator. There's a couple gaps here and there, but like I see team defense and team cohesion, and it was never a thing when Mike Patton was coordinating. So I was legitimately excited. And for whatever reason, so far through five games, that has gone completely out the window. There is not 11 guys playing team defense. There are 11 individuals out there playing defense and trying to do their own thing And that's a big problem. We've seen the edges get abused specifically against the new England Patriots, where you're not setting an edge and funneling everything back to the inside. We're seeing constant miscommunications. We're not seeing people rallying to the football tackling Devondre Campbell, all of a sudden forgot how to tackle, which is just unbelievable. Like it's completely unexpected. And you're also seeing players not playing up to the level of their expectations. Now, a piece of that is certainly how this defense is being played. I've said it all week. Defenders like attacking. They like being the ones that are the aggressors. They are the ones that want to set the tempo and set the tone. And this defense right now is the complete antithesis of that. This is, we're going to sit back. We're going to let them paper cut us. We don't think they can paper cut us to death. And then all of a sudden, by the end of the game, you're bleeding out. And that like, it was very clear against the giants. Like you go, there's, there's never, I don't care if they're playing the, the Buffalo bills. I don't care if they're playing Joe Montana Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas, Aikman and Emmitt Smith. I don't care who they're playing. The greatest show on turf. This defense should not have a five possession stretch where they allow points on every single drive. It cannot happen. And it is, I don't even know the adjective that I want to use, but it is completely unacceptable for a Danny Dimes led offense. That's got an okay. I'll offensive say, line.
3: Say,
2: it's fucking terrible. Yeah, there you go. That's a great word for it. Uh, that's That's a fantastic word for it. Um, but you can't let that offense with no wide receivers with guys, they called up from the practice squad during the week, do that five straight times. It is effing terrible, as you said. So, um, yeah, they've got to get it cleaned up. They've got to play a more aggressive brand of football. I remember very clearly a situation where some of the defenders went into Mike Pettin's office and said, we need to be the ones that are attacking. We need to play a different brand of football. And things kind of got a little bit better after that. But there needs to be a similar situation with Joe Barry where this team needs to play a more attacking brand of football. And right now they're not.
1: I try to not work blue, but when it comes to Joe Barry and the, the Packers, I did do that once, me and a coworker our boss was so bad that we went to her and we're like, you're, you suck. It was weird. It, 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 it is, it is weird when that has to happen. But again, yeah. this defense, they are, they have guys on this team and I'm going to steal my buddy uh, Ryan Horvath's point who joins me on Fridays because he, he had uh, said that Goody must be the worst GM in the league. Now that might be hyperbolic. However, we're talking so much about Rogers. Like, they have built this defense. They have not given Rogers weapons this whole time. You have built this incredible defense where you spend first round picks on these guys. And so I think the defense, like he's not the worst gym in the league. I think this is more of a coaching thing, but when you're spending all that time on Quay Walker, the linebacker who we've needed for so long on, you know, keeping Kenny Clark, keeping Jair, the Packers have a guy like Jair Alexander. That's incredible. Having Campbell come over having Douglas come over, finding a way to keep them. Uh, Rashawn Gary, drafting him, staying the course with him, him turning into one of the best pass rushers in the game. How do you spend all that time only to then lose to Danny Dimes and almost Bailey Zappi? That's, that's the problem. So I hope that where they're at right now, cause they're not going to fire Joe Barry yet. I mean, they might say, yeah, we're, but they won't do it in the middle of season. So I, I just, I'm worried that, the leap from where they're at to where they need to be. I'm worried it might be too far gone.
2: Yeah. So let's, let's start with the Brian Gudikin's point, right? Because clearly I I tweeted this out as well. If you've got, and we, we, everyone knows this by now, but like Kenny Clark, first round pick Dean Lowry, significant free agent money that it's a re-sign him that they gave him Jaron Reed, free agent money. Uh, you've got Rashawn Gary, first round pick, Preston Smith, significant free agent money, Devondre Campbell, significant free agent money, Devontae Wyatt, first round pick, Quay Walker, first round pick, Jair Alexander, first round pick, Eric Stokes, first round pick, Razul Douglas, significant free agent money, Amos, free agent money, and then Savage, first round pick. Like every one of these players on this defense is either a fairly significant free agent signing or a first round pick. So there's one of two things, either your evaluation of the talent up front was not good and sound and you put the wrong picks and the wrong money into the wrong people or you didn't and you got those evaluations right and you were either not running the right defense to take advantage of those players or the coaching just isn't good enough and the scheme just isn't good enough to make it so that that should be one of the top defenses because you are putting the investments into that defense that with all the time, effort, and energy you have put into it, it should be a top five defense without question. And if it's not there, then you have to realize, like, what what process went wrong? Is it the coaching or is it the evaluation? So I think we're going to find that out. I think you know, and maybe that does take a, a coaching change at some point to figure out. All right, is it just coaching? Uh, but there's no way that this defense can be that bad against a, a Danny Dimes Giants team. And I think the other thing, and to your point, is that the formula for this team. There seems to be, and maybe I'll get proven wrong on this. There seems to be only one formula if we want to talk. If you told me, like, at the end of the year, the Packers had, let's just say it, like, it seems ridiculous at this point, but if they won the Super Bowl, let's just say we're fast forwarding, and you told me that the Packers won the Super Bowl, there's only one formula for that to work that I can think of. And that's that this defense plays not good, not really good, but they have to be great. I don't think a greatest show on turf explosive Pat Mahomes, you know, level offense is coming to green Bay anytime soon. They, they could be sufficient. They could you know end up being a, a solid to, to good offense. I think that's okay, like that that's feasible, but like they're not going to win because of their offense. They're certainly not going to win because of their special teams. If you told me they were successful in January and February, it will be because they were extremely successful on defense. The offense did their part. The special teams did their part. And we're not close to that right now, which I think is the most disconcerting issue through five weeks. And I think that's why there is a slight bit of panic from Packer fans and those covering the team because there is only one formula and it doesn't look anything close to where that formula needs to be right now.
1: We got this defense on paper. That's great. You do have Aaron Rodgers. You have a receiver core, which I think is coming along fine. And you've got two running backs, including Aaron Jones, who continues to be the best kept secret in the Packer's own building for some stupid reason I think that the reason there's a lot of people upset yeah they're they this team can win a Super Bowl this team can win a Super Bowl and it's just like the way that they're playing right now it does seem so so far away all right so with all that said they do have the Jets this weekend mm-hmm. I thought Jair's comment was so innocent that the way that it got blown up by Rogers I pissed about him at that too but Rodgers can Rogers can blink like twice in an hour and not, or twice in a minute, not three times. And I'll be pissed at him for some reason. (laughs) This is the way I am Packers against the jets. I can see a loss, but I can, I think, I think where a lot of people are going to go and where I'm going to go is I could see a loss. I could see a loss. I could rationally see a loss. Now they'll win by nine or 10. And that's why that's where I'm going to end up. But we haven't been like given any reason why that's possible. So I'll still take the Packers to win, but maybe by five, six, but even, think the, is that? I don't know. I'm really struggling with, I know it's just one dumb pick no one cares about, but I have no idea.
2: No, I'm kind of with you. And I think just the travel back from London and how like they played an overtime game uh, two weeks ago against the Patriots and the headline. Do you see that?
1: my tweet? What the headline would be?
2: No, if they lose, well, the no, headline's
1: no. going to be, if they lose, the headline will be jet lagged.
2: Oh, that is really good. That so that's why I really, think they're really
1: going to lose, actually. Yeah.
2: The, the headline might be worth the loss in and of itself, but I, I would agree. I'm fantastic. That's fantastic. But they, they obviously don't play great against the Patriots have an overtime game that, it, that always is going to take it out of you a little bit. Then they have to go, you know, full, four, full quarters of physical football. That defense is on the field, a ton and a game in London where you travel all the way to London and have to travel all the way back. And I've got kind of this pesky jets team that just won a big game against Miami, put up 40 points and they're all energized and hyped up. That's like the kind of the last team that you want to see right now. And I do think everyone is kind of just the way that people think, the Packers are just going to win this week is very similar to the way that everyone just thought Aaron Rodgers was going to drive the team down the field and score seven points to tie the game last week against the giants. This just isn't like, you can't take those things for granted with this team. This isn't that good of a team where you can just be like, ah, that happened, but they'll be fine. Like, they're going to have to work. This is going to be a a tough, pesky Jets team. And I'm kind of with you. I do think that ultimately they bounce back. One of the things that this team has been fantastic at is bouncing back from losses in the Matt LaFleur era. They haven't lost back-to-back regular season games in his career. But, like, at some point, like, that's going to happen, right? It it would be stupid if he didn't have back-to-back losses. Like, it's going to happen at some point. And this feels like one of those games where – um anything could happen I think they win I'm with you kind of like by five or six points maybe they get a late score and it looks a little bit more lopsided but I think they're gonna have to work really hard for this win I really do
1: yeah for a noon game against the Jets at home I mean this looked a lot different than it did maybe when the schedule first came out Andy Herman Packaday podcast I appreciate your time never more so than now so thank you so much appreciate you Bart
2: appreciate you having me on
1: I cut the show into two segments yesterday and Paul wanted a good morning and then I was going to do it. And then I did it. No. Uh, our thanks again to Andy Herman, ladies and gentlemen, you, you have not heard this voice in months. No, really it is not. Sam Schmitz.
3: <laughs> Sam Schmitz. What's up, buddy? Nothing much, man. Um, as you can, as you were alluding to, I've, been uh, off Twitter kind of like for the last month or so, and it kind of I went, started. I like,
1: went off Twitter for a week, and I was like, "I'm mysterious." Well,
3: it's not like Twitter I'm for, not.
1: I'm between tweeting two months.
3: Yeah, I mean, it all kind of started when we lost our jobs. I was like, well, "I'm going to take a break from Twitter for a little bit." I mean, really, if you look at my Twitter, like, it, I kind of was already like stopped tweeting before we even kind of like lost our jobs, just because I needed a little bit of a break, and like, I feel like it was kind of a chore. Like, okay, like. I'm going to go on Twitter and say the same thing that everybody else is saying. Get my couple likes and then it is what it is. But I don't know. Yeah, but
1: each one of those likes, like maybe, maybe likes don't tickle you inside the way they
3: do me. They really don't. No, I feel like, uh, I feel like it's like, yeah, okay. I did what I did, but I'd rather just like do this. I'd rather just talk about it as opposed to like, tweet about tweet the same thing that everybody else is that's that's kind of like the most annoying things i'll go on twitter it's like my whole timeline is like people saying the, the same thing 15 different times but that's uh I, I, I stopped doing it for like a month and i was like wow this is like really really good for my, you know, my mental clarity or whatever you want to call it and i was like yeah, every break i've taken from twitter has been a net positive in my life yeah it's great and then i was like oh, i just it's not like i'm not on there anymore like i'll still go on there for like my my news and like updates and stuff like that but like it's really good but you're never tempted not to then tweet
1: because i know several people who have twitter accounts and never tweet and i just i
3: don't know how you don't do it yeah i just i, I don't really have like an itch or anything you know because like i said like half the time i i, I want to tweet something like it'll already be tweeted so like what's the point of doing it you know what i mean I just don't understand how there's a balance where
1: uh, Sam Schmidt tweets zero times a day, and then my guy Peter Bukowski tweets four hundred and seventy-five <laughs> times a day. You can
3: I can't I can't be a maniac. That. Yeah, dude, like and I'm pissed at pump.
1: Pete right now because Pete is psychoanalyzing. That's my word of the day drink. He is psychoanalyzing Rogers like better than I ever have, and that's been my whole persona.
3: Have you gotten pete on yet? Like, that'd be great for you guys. Have I know. gotten what? Have you got pete on yet? Pete Bukowski? Oh. I thought you said, have you gotten pete on? <laughs> no. You gotten Peter Bukowski on? Jeez. No,
1: not yet. Butter. Soon. Soon. I mean, Last time I talked to Pete, it was when I was hosting CBS Sports Radio, the Zach Gelb show.
3: I remember that. I mean, hey, man, if you're into that stuff, go ahead. Whatever floats your boat.
1: (laughs) Uh, Sam, of course, was with me for a while in the morning and then part of the afternoon show. And This one, uh, just if you could close your eyes for a minute and just go back to your special place. Right. Come on now and try to understand
3: the way I Pop, you forgot the words, man.
1: I only sang
3: it one time. Yeah. It was just because kind of, like of night's gourmet popcorn. That's actually, I think, uh, besides me tweeting about my badger game that I went to with Gary and uh, Toby, uh, I think that was like my last tweet. It was a night's gourmet popcorn. <laughs> draft mockery. You want to do a draft mockery? Of what? Yeah, I'm down. Uh, I was like to have a little about being unemployed. Oh, yeah. All right, I'll start. Um, waking up whenever I feel like should be like my number one draft pick because i'm not a morning person at all No, oh, oh i want worse things oh worse things about being unemployed yeah um the burden of people asking so what are you doing now uh nothing what am i doing
1: now well i uh <laughs> i record a podcast in my basement and then i uh... you know what sucks about it is that's gonna be the end of the draft
3: I, uh... yeah I just, yeah that's fine it's fun to do. But I miss that segment. I miss, uh, miss Rami. I miss hearing that song. I miss working with you. That one time we were able to work, like, the last, uh, you know, a couple months, there. I was like, oh, my God, this is great.
1: Yeah, it was great. It was. I'll never forget it.
3: Yeah, were I'll never forget what my
1: last words were on the air. It was a Friday because <laughs> I had vacation. And I said, thank God it's 10. I can't wait to go home.
3: I'll never forget me hosting the last couple of minutes on uh, WSSP talking about Giannis's comments on on Chicago. <laughs> that was literally the last thing. Yeah, which those about. were stupid. We're gonna we're gonna talk yeah. some NBA here. Um, there's those, sometimes those, I mean, there's sometimes where you have to talk about stuff just to please the uh, the uh, the people above you and stuff like that. And that topic was definitely something because as soon as I talked about, it, I was like. Okay, well, now that you' heard it. That means nothing to me. <laughs>
1: well, it's different. now that I'm doing a podcast, okay, so it's about an yeah. hour rather than the four hours. I do wonder different things that happen over the week if I because it's you know, these have been get in, talk packers, good content, Dick around a little, get out. There's no there's no time filling. Yeah. in a four hour show, sometimes, admittedly, sometimes you'd be like, Sigh. I mean, I've said everything that I needed to say
0: right. now
1: I can redo it for a new audience, but we did have a lot of people that listen to the whole time. And also how authentic is it going to sound? The topic that I think I would have brought up this week had I had a four hour show, not a podcast, but I'm going to bring it up now is Taysom Hill had three, four touchdowns
3: in that game. And we're just going to ignore it. Why? Okay. So He's like, still we... a Packer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It... Why is he, you, know, you know, the Packers could have used something like that. We're just you know. ignoring
1: the, Taysom Hill, who had like a decent game, his first game on the Saints. And we're like, well, Aaron Rodgers would have never let that happen. There's a guy that we ha- We're just going to ignore that? We're ignoring it.
3: It yeah. seems like we're ignoring it. I'm surprised, like, you know, people kind of poo-poo on Taysom Hill. But realistically, the guy is, look, he, he was automatic in that game this week.
1: You know? But he's going to be a hot yeah. fantasy yeah. pickup, and then he'll run like twice for four yards this week.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm going against him this week in fantasy. Somebody picked him up. Now I'm going. I think that's against a free. Him. That's a free. That's a free space for you. He, because you pick up these guys, and it's like, oh, they're going to give me 35 points again. Yeah, I, I wanted to pick him up, but it's like my biggest thing is why is he a tight end? I know the Saints have listed him as a tight end, but like in fantasy, like he is a quarterback and running back. Realistically, he has so one he he has be a one running back this year. What?
1: Yeah, he should be. If not a quarterback, he should be a running back. Yeah,
3: or like – Or a wide him, receiver. Or just make him – uh he should be the first guy in, like, fantasy football history to just be like a flex, you know, flex only.
1: Like DH
3: only. Yeah. Like, a
1: you know, Shohei Otani, you know. Yeah, because it would suck. You'd pick up a DH, and then if you were in one league where they played in National League Park and then had to play left field for an inning, well, they got eligibility. <laughs> right. You know? it's, then you yeah. could plug David Ortiz in as a left fielder. By the way, is he a Hall of Famer? Because all he did was hit. I think. I mean, he is he true, a Hall
3: of Famer too? Like, look, all the, all the guy did was hit. At the end of the day, half those game, half those hits came in Japan. Yeah, exactly. So, real, really, how good, really, how good is he? These are the questions <laughs> that we wonder about. Yeah.
1: Uh, speaking of baseball, Brewers suck. I know you're a big Brewers fan. How you doing yeah, for the week?
3: I went through a lot of games those last couple months. It was rough, man. Like. I didn't want to waste tickets, but I'm like, you know, I'm still a fan at the end of the day, but you just, you just knew like, no matter what they did, it blew up in their face this year. It came back to buy every them. decision that everyone made on every level. Was everything, wrong. everything, everything that could go wrong, did go wrong in a comedic fashion. And you just knew that even if they keep in mind, they missed out on an expanded playoff spot with an extra wild card spot. And they still managed to miss that. To me, it just felt like if they were going to get in the playoffs this year, it felt like that 60 game season during COVID where it was expanded playoffs again. And they just snuck in and you had like Ryan Healy hitting third. And they were just going to get eliminated right away from whoever they would have faced. Granted, it probably would have been the Cardinals, which probably might've won one of those, you know, three games, but I, I don't think they would have done anything in the playoffs anyway. So part of me, I say this now because I, I just want to be truthful. Like part of me was being a bad fan. Like part of me kind of wanted them to miss the playoffs this year, just because the bites out of the apple thing is driving me crazy. And if they missed out and this consecutive playoff streak ended, maybe they would learn their lesson a little more in the off season. But now that I'm thinking about it, now that we're in the off season mode already, it's like, what's, what's going to change next year. It's going to put them over the edge. I mean, there's, there's, if we're talking if we're if we're quantifying Andrew McCutcheon who, for all things considered, I think did better than what I was expecting. but if we're going to quantify that as like a out of budget move, then what are we what are we going to be doing really next year? That's gonna- well, and
1: it started right from the beginning because I, I don't know what Mark's intention was when he said that. He said, expand the payroll well, we found money for Andrew McCutcheon because it's Andrew McCutcheon. I think what he was trying to say is, hey, when there's a situation where we're like this is a no-brainer, Let's go do it. The way that he said it, it just everything, yeah. I mean, every little thing, and I, you know, you start to feel bad for him because they're trying. They're trying. I, I believe they're trying. They're trying to make their team better for the long term and the short term with the hater trade, but it was a disaster. They are yeah. trying to show fans, hey, come on in, but the six dollar thing, very <laughs> off putting at a time where it's like, you know, inflation is a word. You turn on the TV and. It's pummeled down your throat. I, I get like, they are essentially giving you a free, like they're giving you a free ticket. Yeah. But the $6 isn't going to buy anything. So essentially you're spending more and it just, it just, and then the brewers are profiting. It just, every little thing they did, even the big things, it just didn't seem to work. Now, as far as changes, you know, the roster, I don't think is going to look the same. I don't know that they trade a Burns or a Woodruff at this point. They could. Anything's on the poss- uh, uh, table now that they traded Hater when they did. So I I don't know what they're gonna do. Uh, Stearns, yeah. As long as far as I know, I'll be back in Milwaukee. Weird. Council, he's going into a lame duck year unless they extended him without me knowing. So I don't know, man. I don't. You know, sometimes you have a bad season and you're like all right, well, if this happened, like, it's more than, well, these guys got hurt a little bit. If they don't get hurt and these guys play better, here we go. There just seems to be too many questions and too many areas where the team is going downward Mm -hmm. where I can't feel good about them.
3: And I'd I'd be okay with some of those question marks if you didn't have one of the best, if not, like, the best pitching staff as a whole in franchise history. That's why I'm probably – Yeah, it's
1: like the Packers right now have their best defense ever, yet the defense sucks. They yeah. have Brewers have their
3: best pitching staff ever in the team sucks. So if I'm being harsh as a fan, like I get it. I'm probably sounding really spoiled right now, but at the same time, it's because like, look, you have this window where now you got two more years of Brandon, Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta and all those guys. It's like, you got to cash in on that. Like just getting in and like hoping to make a world series, like any other time in franchise history, probably I'd be like, okay, yeah. Like bites out of the apple. Okay. It makes sense. But you have something that this franchise and pr- pretty much every team in baseball would die to have right now. And granted, unfortunately a lot of them didn't stay healthy this year. I think that kind of you know, opened my eyes. It's like, wow, last year the starting pitching staff, like really didn't have any health issues from one through five. Like Hauser was healthy last year and like he was up and down. He got, he turned back to the old Adrian Hauser where he's just really a ground ball pitcher and couldn't do anything. Really Ashby kept on getting injured. Freddie Peralta was injured all year. Um, Brandon Woodruff started off the year, you know, injured and all that. Eventually, got things right, but I don't know. Like, you know, looking at next year's roster, like I, I don't think Colton Wong's going to be back just based on the money that you know he's going to be getting. So, what do you do with Luis Arias? Is he now just your second baseman and third base is maybe the position you spend at? But like, what do I? What do you, what are they really going to do at third base? And you know, the whole the whole retooling probably is going to come up because. Let's face it like Sal Freelick and those guys, they're eventually gonna be up here next year.
1: It's almost bring all the, bring all those guys up, get the fans excited. No Colton, no McCutcheon. Yeah, I mean, no uh God, even no Hunter. I don't know. Just get get the get the guys up here.
3: But I mean, what what is that do you really think they're gonna make a run in the playoffs next year if they have a roster like that? Like I think you know, you need like look at look at the Braves, like you need some of those guys up, but you also need to make moves like like a Matt Olson. Like, my God, even even
1: Not even a Matt Olson. Like a Robbie Grossman. Like, he's yeah. bet ninth for and them in the he, playoffs. He's no good, but he's better than. Right. Like I, if, the Brewers I, couldn't even go out and get Robbie.
3: Robbie fucking Grossman. <laughs> I, I brought this up to uh Tim, and I, I think I brought it up to Rami, too, um, before he left there. I think I brought it up to Tim during a post game show. I, was, I asked him, I was like, "Does it feel like, granted, David Stearns made an awesome trade in the Hunter Renfro move and getting rid of Jackie Bradley Jr.'s contract, so I give him credit for that. That was a great trade. But like, does it feel like overall that the Brewers and David Stearns in the front office have kind of like lost their, I don't know what the right word is, like competitiveness to make aggressive moves? Because I think a
1: couple, I, th- I do think a couple things have happened where. You know, when Stearns makes these moves and everyone's like, wow, wow. If you're the other GMs, when you see David Stearns on your phone, you're like, okay, I got to be extra cautious here about what I do because he's known for this. So if you're the Padres, you're like, well, people say he won that last deal,
3: so he ain't winning this one. Mm -hmm. You know, so (laughs) I think some of that happens a little bit, yeah. But like, you know, you're swinging – I feel like David Stearns, like, in in the office, it it goes back to, like, kind of how people feel about Craig Council, too. Like, some people want him fired, but it goes back to, well, you got to start off with what is Craig Council being given. And granted, to David Stearns' credit, they've done a really good job on bringing in these guys that are kind of like the misfit toys that nobody else wants, and the Brewers find a way to kind of get some oomph out of them for the last couple, uh, you know, runs or whatever. But really, eventually, if you keep on going that route, you're eventually going to miss and unfortunately for this year the brewers it, it happened for the brewers and it kind of happened on everything you know and so, the, but like i bring that up because they're they're trading for guys like trevor rosenthal or whatever you know that, i mean that,
1: that that's so bad that the trevor rosenthal thing is so bad that when we think of worst trades ever what was the worst trade Four one four seven nine nine. that won't even be thought of because we will have blacked it out of our memory because it was so stupid
3: yeah so i mean part of me is like look this is the way the Brewers do things. And eventually, if you keep on doing this, you're eventually going to miss and miss in a big way. And the Brewers did, unfortunately, this year. But, like, part of me is like, well, you made the Hunter Renfro move. But, like, realistically, you made moves that really aren't what you used to do. Yeah. Kind of out of the way. But I get that. Like, you brought up a good point. Like, I didn't really think about that. Though. I always do. <laughs> My claim on
1: Twitter yesterday was, whenever you think I'm wrong, it's not that – I'm wrong. It's just that you're not right yet.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, All right. I so, mean, when at, my son watches, like, uh, your, your Bobby Wagner take is like really out of the box. The Grand, Bobby Wagner really, take. I don't really agree with it, but like, I respect your. I, uh, I, I, I understand
1: practice. not. I, okay, real quick, I understand not going on the field. It's bad. Yeah. He could add a knife. I'm All just right. telling you, there are some of these guys that when that happens, they're like, oh.
3: Hell yeah, I'm getting this guy. Oh, absolutely. in football, too, yeah, especially. But like, now,
1: should I tell you a personal story? Sure, yeah.
3: It's your podcast. Thank you.
1: Uh, <laughs> personal story is we had a pep rally senior year for the football – no, junior year for the football team at high school. <laughs> and it was obviously for homecoming and for football. Yeah. And they, like, acknowledged the other – you know, because you can't call it a football rally. It's got to be a pep rally where you're like – Hey, here's two people from the band. Clap, clap, clap. Here's two people. Clap, clap. And then 30 minutes on the football team. So when they introduced the soccer guys, I jumped the fence, ran down, and said, soccer should be the homecoming sport, junior year.
3: Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> the star running back at the time came and leveled my ass. <laughs> like, I'm surprised oh. I didn't snap my neck.
3: Okay.
2: So, so, so where
1: he's thinking this solution needs to be neutralized, he's also thinking, Look, I love tackling. Here's a free shot on this Yahoo.
3: So your take essentially is like the Batman of takes. Like, like when I would be, Scardier. yeah. It's something that's scarred you and now you just like take it with you. When everywhere. you're
1: playing football in the backyard with all your neighbors and there's a little runt kid, can you say runt in 2022? Yeah. I, think, yeah. I don't know. I don't think you can.
3: I don't but, know if you can say anything in 2022. But you love
1: to deck that guy. Mm-hmm. Can you say guy in 2022? Can you say
3: deck that guy?
1: All right, so my son (laughs) on Disney, they do uh, Mickey Mouse Funhouse. take take stretch, break, stretch, break, where they all stretch and dance or dance break. Okay. So I'm going to take gummy break, gummy break.
3: Oh, I am I've love this. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Happy Place Hemp, Sam. Have you been yet? You got to get there.
3: I haven't, but, you know, being an avid listener of the podcast, uh, I'm definitely all for it. I love all the sponsors here on the Bart Winkler Show. Yeah, our golden uh,
1: chicken flux of the week tomorrow.
3: Especially, yeah, looking forward to that. Horror Um,
1: yeah, and so. uh, and there's still room for you guys, everybody. Email me winklerbart at gmail.com. All right, but happy place hemp, real talk. So when I started going in there and like learning about the gummies,
3: because
1: mm-hmm. I'm not just gonna be like, Yeah, I'll talk about your gummies. They're like, Well, you gotta take them, and I'm like, right. No, I want to take them, I just don't know much about him. He goes, okay, well, here's a couple. They go like, what do you like? I go, well, I can't sleep. Sometimes I got to sauce myself to bed. Yeah. They're like, no, don't do that. That's awful. You're that's. So I've been taking these uh, at night, CBD and CBN. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is that when I take one, it helps me sleep and I sleep through the night. Out like a light. That's all. I'm just telling you what I do. What the effect is. Uh, The other day, I was like, not focused. So I took one of these THC-free ones, CBD and CBG. I felt more focused. I got more done. All I'm telling you. And then they're like, yeah, a lot of the guys that come in here, Happy Place Hemp, College Court, Muskego, HappyPlaceHemp.com, promo code BART for 25% off your first and every order, HappyPlaceHemp.com. They're like, a lot of guys come in here because they're like, old or aching and i think one of the guys on the other radio stations although this isn't a radio station that's a force of habit um they talk about how they take one before their golf game and like i'm like because they say a lot of guys come in here for pain and they're hurt and then yeah yeah now that i mentioned it my rib is hurt for the last week and then all of a sudden it's not i this weird thing i thought i was having a heart attack and then the pain was there for like three days so it's like, either I'm having a three-day heart attack or my rib just hurts.
3: I didn't so, really, like, know too much about that stuff until I heard, like, Bronkowski talk about it. And it's like, why don't... I, oh, I, shit, get... I actually took the Delta 8. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Yeah.
1: But they have those. Delta 8, Delta 9. Don't need to drive to Illinois. Legal. HappyPlaceHemp.com. They'll send it to you. Promo code BART.
3: Yeah, I love how, like, a couple of days ago, when he first started talking about them, you're like, you don't have to be like, hey, you guys... Do just have it like, stuff or whatever? The guy, no. I saw a guy going to the store. Like,
1: there's a store called Happy Place Hemp, Yeah. sign, and right. he's in the store. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you got any of the uh, the Delta 8? And the guy's like, you mean the uh, legal stuff? Because there's enough THC that it's low and you can buy it here and that not in can, Illinois?
3: That we can literally ship to your house? Yeah. Inconspicuous. In Great crowd. I love how far we've come and uh, the avenues you can go in podcasting. Only hope to go
1: farther. Happyplacehemp.com, promo code BART. All right. The transition I was going to make into the NBA was with the Brewers pitching. To, to have that pitching staff and not make the playoffs yeah. would be akin to a Giannis Adetokounmpo-led basketball team getting bounced in the first round.
3: Oh man, I couldn't. Even, I can't even imagine if that happened because look, the, the Brewers and the Packers are kind of in the same boat with me right now. Where I'm getting like really the, the 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 kid lust is wearing off in me right now. Where it's like just getting into the playoffs. I'm hearing like an echo. Is that me? It ain't me. uh Oh, I didn't change anything.
1: Um, maybe it's the gummy.
3: Maybe. Oh, it's really bad right now. Sorry. Oh. I'm just going to keep on talking, and if it's too bad, I apologize. Um, but like, no, I'll wait, make it. will make. You want me to make a new room? Can we do that real quick? Is it going to screw up the podcast?
1: I'm keeping all this in. I don't care. Okay.
3: Yeah. Let's do that because I don't want to. All right.
1: People. More with Sam Schmitz right okay. now. The power of podcasting. Now, could I have edited all that out? Yes. Of course.
3: No. Go ahead. All right, so the good news is I remember what I was talking about. I was like, oh, what was I saying? No. So the Packers and Brewers are in the same boat for me right now. I don't now. remember. No. Oh, yeah, you're fan of. We were talking oh, about, yeah, we were talking yeah, about waste, wasting a year of Giannis if they're, the Bucks were to get bounced in the first round. And how I'd feel about that. <clears throat> I, I kind of feel the same about the Packers and the Brewers right now where they're, like, just both doing enough just to get into the playoffs. And it's, like, really wearing on me. The Packers, I know it may not seem like that to most fans, but for the me. The
1: Packers are every much bite of the apple as the brewers are
3: very much it's so. just
1: they haven't they haven't gotten the same reaction because it's the they stupid like they smartly don't come out and say that right. for Stearns to say bites of the apple that will stick with him forever the packers are bites of the apple
3: so what, we, what do we what do we call for the packers like slides down title town we want as many slides down the hill as we can get. <laughs> um. So, but the Bucks man. I mean, the reason I'm wearing a Bucks hat right now, as opposed to wearing a Packers hat, is because I'm so excited for the Milwaukee Bucks. Because out of all these three teams, the Bucks actually have the most potential, like realistic potential to win a championship. I'm not like lying to myself. I'm not being an apologist. Where if you ask me, like, who's gonna win the World Series? Oh, it's the Brewers. And I, like in my mind, I'm like, no, it's not. And, like, if you ask me who's going to win the Super Bowl, it's the Packers. Nah, probably not. I don't really think so. Who's going to win the NBA championship? Milwaukee Bucks. And you can actually make, like, valid reasons. And if you were to ask other fan bases around the league who do they think might win the championship, if I, if I say the Bucks, a lot of them be like, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Oh, so even very, stronger than that. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited for the Bucks basketball this year because –
1: Like, if, if it was the Clippers, you could say, ah, oh, I could see that. It's the Bucs. Right. Well, yeah,
3: no, they're the favorite. Right. If they're the favorite, you, like, outside of the NBA, like, you know, Warriors fans be like, yeah, I can see that, definitely for sure. Um, but I'm very excited for the Bucs because, I mean, look, they brought pretty much the core back with Bobby Portis. And you can say what they you want. They brought the back.
1: core back and then, like, the edges back. <laughs> yeah. No team's with, ever uh, brought
3: this much back. I, I was surprised they brought, you know, Wesley Matthews and Javon Carter back, but I'm glad they did. Uh, hopefully they actually used Javon Carter this year in the playoffs. Um, but Wesley Matthews, man, like I was a doubter on him, uh, his first run in Milwaukee. And then he really proved in that playoff run this year to be a crucial part defensively and really offensively too. So I'm glad Wes is back. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to Bucks basketball this year just because it's a real shot opening winning a second championship with Giannis Adetokounmpo here in the state.
1: Yeah, and I think what has happened here is when the Bucs were on that run, because there are just like Bucs fans and there are Bucs and Packer fans like the Cubs, like there's a lot of different mixes. But the majority of us in Wisconsin are a fan of all the teams. And so I think what was happening was there became this pressure that we were as a state for a decade. You know, they won the Super Bowl, the Packers did. And then this dumb Wisconsin thing with the worst logo of all time. Yeah. And if you bought a hat of it with the three logos together or even four, it's like, okay, if you got that as a tattoo,
3: oof. Yeah. I, Wait, I, had I think as I know background someone background that as a tattoo. tattoo. Like, that. a I, friend. Oh, shit. I was a dumb kid back then. You know, I was in, like, middle school or everyone that was a thing. And I was, like, looking back at it, I'm like, it really wasn't that cool. I think I know someone who has that as a tattoo. Oh, I'm sure there's a bunch of people in who have that as a tattoo. But I like this person. Now I just ripped on him. Well... And they listen. What are you going to do? And I could edit this out, but I didn't. No, we're authentic, and we don't,
1: we don't do that. It is what um, it is. No, but so there was a lot of pressure, and I think the Bucs were starting to not just feel the pressure of their own little collapses up until the title, but mm-hmm. they were also compounded with the Brewers and the Packers, and the reason I always say we pretended to like Wisconsin basketball for one year. But now that they have won, now I think the pressure goes on the other teams to be like, hey, a team here can win. Right you you have just as many slides down the hill as these other teams. Go go <laughs> grab it to Boggin and Well, get your especially ass down. because
3: the Bucks the Bucks like really the, pa- the Packers standard isn't to always win Super Bowls. And thankfully with Rogers a starter, they eventually won a Super Bowl within his first couple of years. But really with the Bucs, there was no pressure on them to win an NBA championship, and then boom, they go from making the playoffs finally to okay, we're, now we're getting further in the playoffs. And now, oh my God, we just won an NBA championship out of nowhere when nobody really expected it. With you know, people were hoping for it, but you're never out of the Packers, Brewers, and Bucks. You weren't expecting the Bucks to win a championship first, but you're right. I mean, there's you can you see the pathway to getting a championship, and they can actually do it. Whereas like the Packers and the Brewers, they have the pieces, but they're just not really doing much. Kind of like the like the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, okay, yeah, they're going to bring the core back, but they're going to add Joe Ingles too. They're going to do stuff like that. I think it's it's kind of weird that we've gotten to this place where, like, the Bucs have won a championship and now there's pressure on those other organizations to win a championship, the Brewers to win their first championship. But I don't think it's unrealistic to expect the Packers to, or at least want the Packers to win a Super Bowl before Rodgers eventually retires.
1: I was going to go through the uh, NBA GM survey with you. Yeah. The Bucs, 43%, expected to win the NBA Finals. Um, Giannis thirty four percent to win MVP. Luca forty
3: eight. did you see Luca got
1: Luca slimmed down?
3: Did he? I didn't see him yet. He looks. He. I think he took all the uh, off season rumors and you know people taking jabs at his physique and all that. I think he took that to heart this season. So I sent you this link le- uh, last night. Did you like
1: go through it to prepare?
3: I uh, <laughs> I glanced at it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I'm I'm not gonna bring it up now.
3: Oh, okay.
1: I realized when I tried to do topics like that, like doing list topics, it never really played. It never worked.
3: You know what it did, though? It kind of, I looked at the, especially the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. I looked at the teams that were um, competing and all that for odds and stuff like that. It kind of reminded me about like some of the offseason moves, like Donovan like in
1: Minnesota.
3: Yeah, exactly. Like Donovan Mitchell's on the Cleveland Cavaliers now. And they had that young core like Boston. They got Malcolm Brogdon and didn't they get too? And then they lost their head coach.
1: (laughs) Okay. But there is a stat that I did want to a survey that I did want to come up with you Mm -hmm. and bring up to you. So this I'll just find it on Twitter real quick. Um, There was a survey about who the best looking coaches were in the NBA.
3: In the NBA. Oh man.
1: Yeah, and it was done according to Beauty Technology Analyst. <laughs> um, who's number one?
3: Well, J.B. Bickerstaff.
1: J.B. Bickerstaff of the Cavs is the hottest coach.
3: I couldn't even point out J.B. Bickerstaff. On a, and then a Steve
1: Clifford of the Hornets. Really? Yeah, Dwayne Casey is number three. Dwayne, oh my God. How's Steve Kern out in there? And then, um, i tell you, I know who's counting out the top Boston. five are Nate McMillan and Mike Budenholzer. That's some low standards, So if man, Bud is a top five hot NBA coach.
3: Things are looking up for you, Bart.
1: And it's not hot. It's handsome. Handsome and hot are different.
3: Look, we all know what we're talking about at the end of the day.
1: So if, if Mike Budenholzer is a top five, hot, handsome NBA coach, and I look like him by proxy, am I attractive, Sam?
3: Of course. (laughs) Look, when you were reading off that list and you were naming those guys as like the top five, most handsome coaches in the NBA, it just made me think like the NFL coaches blow them out of the water. (laughs) The top five in the NFL would blow those coaches out of the water. Like, Packers fans can't stop talking about Matt LaFleur. Those can't be the five hottest NBA coaches. No. They? If I, look, I can't look at, you know, the whole NBA coaches. I can't go through the whole league. But I, I mean, you would think that. I could guarantee. I can, Udoka I can would up be up on there. List. Right? Udoka should be on there, right? But. Oh, yeah. The people in Boston, especially within the team, would say so for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's proven. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but he's not a head coach. What about like Steve Nash or Steve
3: Nash? Jason Polstra.
1: You know what? <laughs> oh, I think. Spolstra. Hold on. Yeah, Hold on. Is no, definitely no. In there, man. I just realized. I just my, realized. My I just Phillip Phillip realized. I'm sorry. There's an age limit to this.
3: Oh, uh, okay. I was going to say there's no way. <laughs> there's an so age limit that... to this. So, what does that say about you then? That I look like an old man. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> shit there's an a- uh, there? but
3: yeah. uh,
1: one other thing that I want to bring up with you can we talk a little I talked, talk? I talked about Peter Bukowski
3: Yeah.
1: and Pete said he tweeted this yesterday Aaron Rodgers is the guy who follows the GPS for 30 minutes hits traffic then decides he's smarter than Google and will find his own way home and I said I'm trying so hard to be the best at psychoanalyzing Rogers but Pete is beating me to every punch. <laughs> my wife my wife my wife said awkward <laughs> he is describing you. It's very eye opening. Now I see why you're so frustrated by Rogers. You see the things you dislike the most about yourself in him. And I said <laughs> I said, want to come on the pod? She said, said, no, but you can share this take because it is accurate.
3: I think so. Like, you brought up a good point in uh, today's podcast. It's like, I bet if you met Aaron Rodgers, it'd be a whole different experience as opposed to how you feel about him, like when you talk about him. You know what I just
1: realized? And I'll have to tell this to my wife. I can't say that she's wrong about that take. And I, you're huh. not wrong about what you just said, but I can't say my wife's wrong about that because if I am someone who fancies myself to be right all of the time and then the person I marry sees something that I don't, doesn't that make her always right?
3: Oh, wow. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> i look all this aaron Rodgers stuff i feel like i'm i'm thankful that i can like separate the person from the player because at the end of the it's day, getting
1: hard for me to do that because the things i, don't I like
3: about him, it's it's it look it, like it, 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 that's how they play
1: but now i'm starting to i need to back off a little on rogers because it is borderline psycho uh, here's
3: the thing if you if you keep on like thinking about the person aaron Rodgers. And that's why I try to separate those two. It's like, if you keep on like thinking about that stuff, you're just, you're never going to, you're never going to be able to live with like yourself. You're always going to find something to hate about him. It's just, it's going to be never ending. Whereas opposed to, look, it's just people are players and athletes, especially like they're not normal people, man. Like they're different. They're kind of, most of them are different. So it is what it is. Like that's just kind of like who they are at the end of the day. I just got an email
1: from Evan. Heffelfinger? Yeah, but it's like, Dear Bart, I am pursuing a career opportunity. I'm asking you as well as several others to complete this request as a personal reference. Please complete this short, less than 30 questions, confidential, web-based survey regarding my skills.
3: Should we do it live? Yes. (laughs) Let's do it. I do want to talk a little package with you. I know we're going long, but... Uh, Maybe we'll save it for another day.
1: Yeah, okay. I was going to be like, 30 questions. I ain't doing this.
3: No. Oh, it's that long? Yeah, I don't know if we got time to do that. (laughs) Hey, here we go.
0: Are we going to talk about Tim
3: Shea's World Series prediction from the previous show? No, I listened back. He said Braves. He did, but then eventually, you're talking about door dashing somewhere in like downtown Milwaukee, and then all of a sudden, he comes back, and he's like, Give me, give me, give me Mariners Astros World Series. I have it on my phone. Okay, yeah, I'll have
1: to look at that because I got that wrong then.
3: Nobody, nobody Man, said I'm it. not,
1: I'm not. They want me to fill out a lot of shit for Evan here. Hold on. Give me Mariners Astros World Series. All right. <laughs> let me, uh, let me wrap up with you the same way I wrapped up with Andy Herman. Uh, and I, I was trying to think
3: of a joke there, but I couldn't. Bart, if you could go to the Super Bowl, would you go to the Super, you go to a Bowl? Super Bowl?
1: <laughs> Packers, Jets.
3: I'm working uh-huh. through
1: my prediction for the week. One, right. the jet lagged headline that they'll get if they lose is too good to be true. Genius. And uh, two is, again, I don't have a two. That's just the way that I talk, and I'm trying to work on that. I am worried that... They will lose. I, I don't, and it's not gonna be because like they manifested it, but they're coming back, they're struggling, they have many areas to improve, they're trending down. The jets are trending up. Maybe you know, I don't think that high of Zach Wilson. I no,
3: yeah.
1: I mean, but, he's not he's not bad. I think Daniel Jones is better than Zach Wilson. Once, is that a hot take?
3: Um, not really. I mean, I think
1: Wilson probably- to me, I still can't get out of my head when he played Coastal Carolina for BYU when they schedule that game in the COVID year. Where he's just
3: getting pushed around like crazy. Just
1: got destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, I mean, I know that there will be plays where he carves up the Packers. If, if they play the way they've been playing, I think that I'll say, I want to take the jets and then I'll back into the Packers. I'll say big Packers. I'll end up taking the Packers by a handful is what I'll end up doing.
3: Yeah. I mean, the moms of green Bay gotta be worried for Zach oh, yeah. Wilson and Lambeau field gritting all this of is, what, what I said and with Andy again, is yeah, this is
1: Packers-Jets at noon on Lambo. at the beginning of the season was
3: roll out the helmets. This whole schedule, really, like, I, I was a doubter of the Packers this year, but, like, I, I went lost their schedule with Rami in the beginning of the season. I'm like, okay, well, this is actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be for the Packers, but, like, they're struggling against Bailey Zappi, Daniel Jones, all these. It's like, cheese, you guys. But, like, the thing that people haven't brought up, too, is that Matt LaFleur is going up against his buddy, Robert Sala. We all know how that goes. And I'm so tired of Matt LaFleur every week, every, every time he has to step up and every time he has to get the team ready for a different situation. I'm so tired of hearing, I got to do a better job of getting these guys prepared. That's my fault. It's like, Matt, eventually you got to evolve as a coach. Like, Hey, it worked for Mike Budenholzer. He bettered his way into a title. But it, it, okay. In the NBA, it's different because the players can do so much to impact the game. But like in the NFL, you have to be a good coach and you have to eventually take a step up. So I'm, I'm just so tired of hearing that from Matt LaFleur because it's predictable and it's not really an excuse anymore. But have, have, the Pack, have the Packers still ever lost back-to-back games under Matt LaFleur? No. So at least there's there, that room for optimism. I think it's going to be – I think the Packers win, but I think it's going to be another one of those games where it's like, okay, we won, but that was way closer than it needed to be. Where it's like it's a win, but you're still gonna take things out that you can really criticize this team over. Sam Schmitz,
1: Andy Herman. Thank you guys both for jumping on the podcast.
3: Thank you for um, having me. A
1: couple of news and notes. Tomorrow's show will feature Ryan Horvath once again. We'll go through our week six picks. We uh I did I did actually edit something out of this one, and that was we had called Evan Heffelfinger. Um, and we produced what I think is the best eight minute segment that this podcast has had. It's something, it's something, but, sure. but there's some sensitivity to it not in the language or in the no one would get offended, right? But I'm gonna save that eight minutes for another day,
3: right? You don't want to mess up Evan's uh timeline, you know? You don't yeah, wanna...
1: Evan, Evan's on
3: a journey, and I feel like.
1: What we did would impact his journey. Right. And once he's completed the next step of his journey, we will then share the uh, the juicy, scandalous, too hot for podcast TV segment that I have taken out of this podcast.
3: What was it? What did we say? Oh, this is the ultimate tease. When will you hear it? Find out. Who was
1: he? What is a who? <laughs> who he he? I really think it was... I think it was a great definition of what the Bart Winkler show strives to be. I think it's like who the
3: Bart, what the Bart Winkler show is, you know?
1: Yeah. But I'm good. I took it out of this episode to replay on a future episode. Oh no. So maybe you can talk through me with this. I'm trying to figure out what to do when I go to Buffalo. I'll probably just
3: have to take the day off. Huh? I got distracted because I saw a notification the 49ers released, Kurt Bankert. Uh, He's going to
1: end up being the co-host of this thing, isn't he? (laughs) I'm sorry, what were you saying
3: about Packers-Buffalo? No matter. No matter. Are you going to go all the way to Buffalo just to watch the Packers give up 40 points? Yeah. Nice. But
1: the Sabres play the night before. I might go to that game.
3: I want to go to a hockey game. That'd be fun. I'm a Sabres fan. You, you didn't. You didn't go to Blackhawks Wild at Pfizer Forum preseason.
1: No, but the Sabers play the Blackhawks. Okay, I want to go to an NHL
3: game. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll broadcast live from an Admirals game. You got to broadcast live from one. You know, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah.
1: All right, Sam. Thanks,
3: buddy. Thank you, Bart. Good to hear from you. Place, promo code BART.